Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. It was so much fun and a great honor to be back on the grounds at Bay Hill Club and Resort for the Arnold Palmer Invitational this past week in Orlando, Florida. It was my first week of the year working for NBC and Golf Channel, which was great. Anytime I have a chance to be at the Arnold Palmer Invitational celebrating the great legend that was Arnold Palmer and talking about what he has meant to all of his players is, is, is an honor. It's a huge honor. Arnold passed away late in 2016, so in 2017, I was named as one of the tournament hosts or ambassadors, which was a great honor, and they've continued with that tradition every year. Curtis Strange, Nancy Lopez, Annika Sorenstam, Justin Rose, Mark Leishman, Ricky Fowler, just to name a few, have all stepped up and put their time and effort into being an ambassador and representing Arnold as we all hoped we could do. Nobody's going to replace the king. That's certainly, certainly true. What he's meant to all of us was uh, really hard to put into words, what he meant to just about every player on tour. And I think most of the players on tour now understand how important the Arnold Palmer Invitational is because we need to continue the legacy and continue the lessons that he taught us all. But it was an incredible finish. Terrell Hatton, the young Englishman, who was on the Ryder Cup team in 2018, the victorious Ryder Cup team over in France. Uh, He's a heck of a player. He hit some shots down the stretch that really impressed me. The conditions were ridiculously difficult. As you saw, if you watched the telecast, the rough was thick and long. The greens were hard and fast. The wind was blowing 20 miles an hour, which you will hear as in this week's podcast, I catch up with NBC broadcasters Paul Azinger, uh, former champion at Bay Hill at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and also uh, NBC anchor and NBC broadcast legend Jimmy Roberts. I was <laughs> trying to get, I was trying to get a few words with them, but you'll you'll be able to hear the wind blowing. Uh, so I apologize for that audio, but I think you're gonna really be interested in what they had to say. But again, a wonderful week at Bay Hill in honor of the great Arnold Palmer. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. Fans are fired up and making sure they show it. They're rowdy and loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. I don't play as many PGA Tour events anymore, or, or PGA Tour champions tour events for that matter. But when I do, I'm always traveling with my golf clubs. When I'm traveling with my golf clubs, that means that they're in my club glove. It's one of the most dependable pieces of luggage I've had my entire career. And players like Brooks Koepka, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, on and on and on, they trust Club Glove as well. You know you want to arrive safely, but you want your clubs to be there as well, and they usually do thanks to my Club Glove. You've been here before, you know what to do. Suck it up, it's no time to melt down. It's a jungle in here. 
So, Jimmy, you're so versatile. You do everything. You do studio at NBC. You call holes. You're a host of all these shows. You do all these pieces. What people don't know is that Jake is actually my agent. <laughs> no, no, it's so much fun for me to be able to work with you. I've been, uh, I've been a big fan of yours for all these years. But most importantly, when we sit up there and we do our broadcast, uh-huh. it's all about fun. Obviously, we want to bring some knowledge, but it's about fun. Yeah, listen, you know... I, I, I said this to you the other day, and I honestly mean this. Whenever you are sitting in that chair and I am calling holes, I can take a deep breath because I know it's going to be relaxed and we're going to enjoy it. It's like we're sitting around and we're talking about golf, you know, and it's, it's just golf, isn't it? Yeah, you, well, you're my agent now. <laughs> Thank you. But it's interesting, whenever we have a chance to see new talent and we have a chance to watch guys like Tiger and watch like this Terrell Hatton this week, what impresses you about him? Well, you know, interestingly enough, what impresses me most about Terrell Hatton is probably the one thing he's been most criticized for, which is his attitude. Because I think that there's, I don't know, as golfers, no matter how good you are, if you're, you know, you, you know, who won all those times on the PGA Tour and everywhere else, or me, who just struggles to get the ball airborne, it's about having a certain amount of not self-loathing, but this attitude of like, I got to do this. And, you know, while people look at him and some people criticize him for being too hard on himself, listen, I think that I look at it a different way. I look at it as if his expectations for himself are very, very high, and he's not going to be satisfied unless he at least meets them. Now, I know it's a double-edged sword, you know, and you can be too hard on yourself, but I love to see how hard he grinds. I, I just kind of enjoy that, you know? When I first came on tour, I, I thought I had to be a grinder to win, but it really was when I played with Trevino at the BC Open back in the late 70s, when he said to me, listen, quit being so hard on yourself. You're a fun, outgoing guy. Do that while you play. I know you want to win. Be that person. Be that person. And I think some guys, and my buddy Curtis Strange was always hard <laughs> on himself. Hey. Hey. And I know that Terrell Hatton's that way, too. I don't mind that. you got to be who you are to play the best golf. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because just this morning, uh, a young member of our crew came to me and wanted to talk to me about getting some advice about broadcasting. And I shared with her something that I heard many, many, many years ago from, in my way of thinking, one of the greatest sports broadcasters of all time, Jim McKay, who I was very fortunate to work with when I was much, much younger. And he said to me, He said, you know, you can only be one person perfectly. That's yourself. Because if you try and imitate somebody else, you're never going to be able to be that person. The only person you can really be is you. And I mean, it it may sound silly, but I'm sure that holds true for golf as well. You got to do what you do. Bruce Litsky, you know, did he ever hit a draw in his life? No. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you just you, you play with the cards you're dealt and you work it. Well, that's different than the advice you gave me when I first came to you <laughs> about broadcast. You said, "Quit. Don't do. <laughs> that don't is, do that it." That is not true. I don't know who's listening to this, but that's absolutely <laughs> not true. Well, it's so special for both of us to be here at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Yeah. We were both so close to Arnold, but this is the fourth year that we have not had 
the king here as host, but his legacy lives on. Listen, I, I just a quick story, and I love sharing this story. So uh, a bunch of years ago, I wrote a book. It was called Breaking the Slump, and it was how great players handled their worst times in the game. And um, I thought, you know, it was a really good idea, and the fellow who was representing me at the time said, yeah, this is great. I think we can really sell this. But in order to do it, you need to find somebody who you can write a sample chapter about and with who will really appeal to the publishing industry. And I thought, well, I know a lot of people in golf, but the first person I went to was the person who said, sure, I'll do that for you. And you know who it was? It was Arnold. Arnold. I sold my book to the publishing industry based on a chapter about and with Arnold Palmer. It's the kind of guy he was. One of the cute stories that I have here from when Arnold uh, was the host. I remember I would always go up every day just to say hi to Arnold because in the latter years of his life, you just never know. Mm -hmm. And one year I went up the stairs and Davis Love and Zach Johnson were down, down below and they saw me go by. I was working with you on TV and they said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to go see Arnold. Can we come with you? <laughs> and I said, of course, because Arnold relished the times he had with the players just to sit and BS up at his office. So we went up and we sat with him for eight or ten minutes. I had to go do the telecast. They had to go play. Yeah. And they said, we all said, look, we got to go. And he said, where are you going? Can't you stay any longer? Because even up to the day of his death, Arnold felt like he was a youngster still playing the tour. He loved to talk golf technology. He loved to talk about strategy. And that's what made him so special. You know, I have a thought every time I hear people refer to him, and maybe it's presumptuous of me, but I, I can never bring myself to call him Mr. Palmer, even though that's kind of inside who he was, because I never got the sense that he wanted to be called Mr. Palmer. He wanted to be Arnie. He always. He, he wanted to be Arnold, and so that's how I will always refer to him as Arnold, because that's how I knew him, and I think that's the way he felt about his relationships with people. Well, one last thing before we jump on the air. This is quickly turning into a major championship, not just because of Arnold's name, but because of the conditions we have here today. Uh, do you think he's smiling right now? Oh. And that's rough. I mean, that shot, you know, the, the shots that Rory McIlroy, the way Rory McIlroy played the eighth hole yesterday, taking two swats out of that rough. I know Arnold was giggling. He loved it. Every every year we finished the tournament, he would say, I need to make this hole harder. Right. I mean, need to make this hole longer. And he did. And I think he is sitting up there in that in that golden chair looking down going, this is the way it ought to be. I'll tell you what, it looks good, doesn't it? It does, it does. Thanks, Jimmy. Jake, it's always good to be with you, my friend. People ask me all the time now, when I play in an outing or a tournament or just with friends, why do I play a yellow ball? Well, it's pretty simple, really, because I can see it. I can see the ball in flight all the way from the tee down to the landing spot, whether that's the fairway or, yeah, a fairway bunker. At my age now, I lose the white ball in flight. When Srixon first started making the Z-Star yellow ball, and they put it in my locker. It was to hand out to my amateur partners in the Pro-Am. And I was thinking, I'm not going to play this ball. I'm going to play the white ball. But when they put it in play, 
I could see their ball, and I immediately thought, what in the heck? I could see that ball, and believe me, when you lose sight of the ball in flight, and you don't know where it lands, it kind of takes a little bit of the fun away. So what I did right then, I switched to the yellow ball. I started playing it in the Pro-Ams, and eventually I started playing it in the tournament. Whenever you switch to a new ball, you're always worried about how that ball is going to fit in with what you do, how it affects your game. And I play it because it does everything I need it to do. I always think about proper spin, the proper trajectory, and the maneuverability of the shot. With the Strixon Z-Star yellow ball, I can curve it left or right, hit it high or low, and it has that perfect amount of spin that I need for my game. It's been about 10 years now since I put that ball in play, and I've never looked back. It's yellow for me for the rest of my career. Inside look with our broadcast team, joined now by Paul Easinger. You won here at Bay Hill. This golf course is so tough, and today we're standing outside in the wind, so I apologize if it's uh, the audio quality isn't good. This golf course is it, 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 it's so hard. It is hard, and it's cool, heavy, kind of a, uh, I don't know, a stubborn wind, really. And there's a lot of shots here that are going to be into and cross and down. The greens are getting hard as a rock. It's baking out. And it's the kind of rough Arnold likes. Maybe Arnold might like it an inch or two deeper than this, honestly. But it's going to play really hard, Peter. Um, it's just the way Bay Hill is. One thing that's different about Bay Hill than last week, is they hit that ball last week, they didn't know where it was going to stop. You can pick your tee up when you hit a ball off the tee here at Bay Hill. You know where it's going to end up. It's kind of the same into the greens, too. But uh, there's a few holes where you have to hold your breath here, but not many. What surprised me, Sung Kang, who's got a who's tied for the second round lead with uh, Terrell Hatton, he said in his conference press conference yesterday that it really wasn't the rough that bothered him here. It was the design, uh, the the different angles off the tee, and the hole locations that that really surprised me because to me, if you miss the fairway here, you're, you're playing defense. Yeah, no doubt about that. And uh, they set the tees up at these. Like, there's these straight lines that are cocked off to the side of the path the holes go on, and it, it's a little uncomfortable. Um, but it's an intimidating golf course off the tee. You know if you miss, you're going to pay a price. You have some elevated tees. You've got water you have to eliminate. There's probably about five or six really dangerous shots here at Bay Hill you just have to pay attention to and bring your putter here because there's going to be a lot of five- and six-footers for pars. We have a lot of major championships and big tournaments, four majors. We've got World Golf Championships. But when you have a tournament who is named in honor of, I think, the most important player in the game, Arnold yeah. Palmer, I, I think this is a major. Uh, not only is it a hard golf course, but it's so important to the, the past, present, and future of the game. The players want to win here in a major way. It's like trying to win Jack's tournament, too. I mean, you want to win Jack's tournament because Jack's name's on it, and the same with Arnold's tournament. It was the same with Byron Nelson's event. And it does elevate the event. It's an invitational as well, and it is an elevated event on the tour, and everybody out here wants to win this tournament. Um, you know, they come here knowing that the pressure is going to be on coming down the stretch. I kept saying last week not a lot of guys are good around the water. Some guys can excel over water. You know what that's like, Peter. And um, you, 
put that Arnold Palmer name and attach it to the trophy while you're trying to deal with the stress and pressure trying to win on these hard final three holes. Um, it just makes it for a major kind of an atmosphere, doesn't it? It gives you that same satisfaction when you win here that you could get trying to win a major title. That's just what it's all about. Seeing what you can handle and deal with pressure-wise, and they're going to get a face full of pressure on Sunday here. There's a couple of kids joining the tour when we, Arnold was our hero, and he used to yeah. wear those cardigan sweaters. And they started about four years ago giving the, the championship winner here at the API a red cardigan sweater. I, I mean, when I see those, when I see Rory and Leishman and uh, Molinari wear that, I, I just, it just makes me smile thinking about AP strutting down the fairway in those cardigan sweaters. Yeah, man, that yellow one and that red one jump off the page for me, too. And I think that Gary Koch and I on the broadcast team, past champions here, they're going to give us one to wear on the air, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, maybe we can keep it. I've never wore a cardigan much. It was kind of past our era a little bit, don't you think? Occasionally, you'd wear a cardigan, but it was out of style. And uh, But Arnold was a trendsetter. He was the arbiter of style, really. Well, he? that white belt, <laughs> that lived on from Johnny Miller. Maybe we should bring back the cardigan squ- sweater on tour. Yeah, let's get the cardigan sweater and dump that white belt. Jeez! some really interesting things that we are going to start looking for this spring. First of all, the Players' Championship, followed by the Masters in April, the PGA Championship in May, the U.S. Open goes back to Wingfoot in June, and then the Open will be in July. So I really like what's what's happened with the PGA Tour schedule. All of this was because of the, the Olympics back in 2016, and we will be going to Japan this year also for the uh, Olympics again, but the one event I'm keeping my eye on is the U.S. Open at Wingfoot, which is my favorite USGA venue. I've played in a few U.S. Opens there at, at Wingfoot and just absolutely love it, but we're going back to the scene of the crime. Phil Mickelson had a chance to win and complete his career Grand Slam at Wingfoot years ago when he double bogeyed the last hole. So I know Phil, as he turns 50 this year, and he still competes out on the PGA Tour like a kid, and it's great to see. I'm a big fan of Phil Mickelson and the way that he approaches the game and and attacks his deficiencies in the game as he's gotten older. He's lost a little speed, a little distance, so that's what he's working on. And he's picked up significant speed and therefore distance off the tee to be able to compete with these young kids. But I would really love to see Phil complete the career Grand Slam by winning the U.S. Open simply because he deserves it. Because I think he's been huge in the game of golf. I think he and Tiger have been the players of this generation that everybody, when you turn the TV on, you want to know how those two guys are doing. And I think what he's done for charity, what he's done for young players in the game, he's a leader. The players look up to Tiger and they look up to Phil because they are so giving of their time and and they're giving of their experience and knowledge. And we've seen that over the last, gosh, eight or 10 years when Phil and Tiger have still been very competitive, but they've also moved into a bit of an ambassadorial role too. So I'm pulling for Phil at Wingfoot at the U.S. Open in June. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours?